Well, 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 happy Saturday, my friends, or should I say happy post-SquadCon. Just celebrated an incredible week with so many people getting involved in experience groups, playing games together, connecting and building a relationship. And hey, we want to say a special thank you to all of you that joined us. If you're brand new, my name is Pastor Susie. I have the honor of being the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. And hey, no matter how you're listening, whether you're watching live, first or second service, YouTube, our podcast platforms, all of you are part of our church family, and we want to welcome you. Today we're doing something that I think is very, very, very practical for no matter who you are, no matter what walk of life you're in, even if you don't believe in God or not, no matter how old you are, every single one of us has relationships. I'd ask you to put a five in chat if you don't have a single relationship in your life, but nobody be able to do it. Like, you've talked to some people, even if it's only acquaintances, all of us are interacting with other human beings and here at God Squad Church, our vision statement is gamers winning together. And we really believe that God wants you to be winning in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be rich. It doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. But we believe that the ultimate win in life is to know Jesus. And that if you know Jesus and you actually understand the Bible, we believe it'll help you win in all areas of your life. All of us are not free from struggle and difficulty but we leave things are better when you know Jesus. And I really, really believe that. And what we want to do today is we want to help you win in relationships. Whether it's romantic, whether it's family, whether it's between you and a coworker, we believe the things we're going to talk about today will help equip you in every area of your relationship. So friends, but I'm not going to do it alone, okay? I want to bring on the screen. You're going to see some people on the stage right now. We've actually got six of our staff members. We've also got the lovely Merrick and Pastor AJ all the way from California and the Netherlands. Pastor AJ, Merrick, how you doing? You guys doing all right? Doing great. Come on, doing you ready great. to help people Blessed. win today? I'm ready. I'm excited. Pastor Amanda, Pastor Boz, Pastor Tammy, y'all ready to help people win? Amen. I'm ready to rock and roll, friends. Friends, I want to encourage you to strap in, sit back, and I hope today will be a huge blessing and encouragement to you. What we do about a few times a year, we do something called God Talk, where we let people send in questions they might have about relationships, whatever it might be, especially about a different topic we'll be doing. And so some of you have sent in questions so we've gathered some of your questions as well as some just frequently asked questions, and we want to do our best to answer them in a way that actually makes the Bible relevant and practical. So many times people read the Bible and just don't know how to apply it, and that's what we want to do today. And so we're jumping right into question number one. How do you know when it's time to draw the line and remove a relationship rather than to resolve it? Pastor, man, I'm going to kick this one over to you. I get the first question, <laughs> the first person. Um, so this is kind of like a continuation of what uh, Pastor Susie was talking about last week. Um, and, you know, sometimes we have relationships in our lives that we just have to remove. And it's very important to understand. Romans 12, 18 says that, that if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I think it's very important to know that sometimes it's not possible. And so highlighting if yeah. it is possible, which means that sometimes it will not be possible. And so when, when is it time to remove a relationship? If that relationship is honestly a toxic relationship, if it's the type of person or relationship where they're putting all the blame on you or, you know, nothing is ever their fault, they don't do anything wrong, or, you know, they aren't willing to take your feelings seriously, uh, they're dragging you down more than they're um, lifting you up. Like, these are all signs that this is not a good friendship, relationship, what have you. And this is what was happening with that family member that Pastor Tuzi was talking about last week. And this is my family, this is my blood that this was happening with. And, you know, sometimes it truly is like it's truly not possible to live at peace with everyone. And, you know, I did everything that I could. I tried yeah. talking with this person. I was praying a lot. <laughs> I needed um, all of the Lord's help to get me through this. Um, and I was just finding that I was just hitting a wall. Like I just kept hitting a dead end with this person. And there was no resolvement to have to be had 
Um, it was honestly impossible. And so at that point, I was like, you know, like there's nothing else I can do. Um, it's not possible to live at peace with this person. So this is unfortunately a relationship that I have to remove myself from. And it's never an easy decision, especially when it's somebody super close to you, like family. Um, but sometimes it unfortunately needs to be done. You know, as long as you do everything in your power, you try talking with them, you pray, you apologize, you own up to the wrongs that you've done, and still none of that is working, then you just have to let it go and give it to God. Yeah. So. We talked about it last week that sometimes as Christians, we just want to try to resolve every relationship, and sometimes it's not possible, and, and we really pray that for some of you, you might not have a relationship you need to remove. Maybe all your relationships are going well, but I pray that in, in this kind of two weeks of talking about relationships, I pray that you'll really take the time to really think and pray through what are some relationships I need to remove. It's a hard thing to do, but it's very, very important. Mirik. What do you have to say about that question? How do you know when it's time to either resolve or time to remove a relationship? Um, from personal experience, I could say, um, when you notice it begins to interfere with your family life. Um, we have three kids and one of our daughters had a boyfriend that needed a place to stay because uh, he came back from France and he didn't have a place to stay anymore. So he said, well, he could come here for a couple of weeks while he looks for a job and uh, we'll have, we'll, um, but from a couple of weeks, it went to a couple of months, eventually 10 months he stayed. Um, he had a couple of jobs at the beginning, but they never worked out. Um, always problems at work that were their problems, not his. And after that, Whatever we said, we tried to push him. We, uh, but he just didn't go looking for jobs. He'd ha he'd have excuses. Yeah, I've got some. Uh, I've got myself um, signed up for some, and I'll hear when I when there is a job. But he never followed up on anything. Mm -hmm. um, the only time he did something around the house was when we uh, told him he had to. Then he would, but he did the minimum what he could get away with. Um, so there, there became a lot of tension also with, uh, with our kids that to a certain point that we noticed that the kids, like, it, it was just not going well between the kids and him and us, that we just had to say an ultimatum. And we, we tried for so many months and he just didn't want to listen. And um, we said, now it's, it's done because our family is suffering because of it and we can't have that. So... Uh, we said we had you have a week and still he didn't even do his best to try to find something uh, we finally found something that he could stay for a little while at least so then he left but it was we wanted to help him and he thought everything would be done for him probably and he didn't have to do anything so that's yeah it just was not good for the family yeah no and that that brings another thing to mind too especially in terms of it interfering with your family life Sometimes you can find yourself in a very controlling relationship, whether a friendship or romantic one, where people can start making you feel guilty about being around your family. Oh, we spend so much time with your family. You, you should be able to spend more time with me. And when you start feeling like there's like limitations on like who you can see and what you can do and what you can't do, you might find yourself in a red zone that I'm in a controlling relationship. And it might be time to start cutting some ties and start cutting some relationships because those moments can start feeling suffocating. You feel like you're just suffocating all the time. You, you can't, like, come up for air. Nothing that I do is right. I'm not able to see my family. I, all of a sudden, it's bad for me to spend time with my father. And when it starts interfering with your family life, it's, it's very, 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 very difficult. And so, Merrick, that's some great, great experience, great wisdom. And what we want to do today is we want to try to get through as many of these questions as we can. We've got a lot of content to get through. So we've got about 10, 11 questions. We're going to do our best to fly through, okay? Normally, I'm the longest winner on our staff, so I'm going to try to move quick. We're jumping into question number two here. This one was sent in from a community member. How do you discern when someone is truly uh, in need, they really need help, or they're just looking for attention? If the latter occurs, they are looking for attention, how do you... How do you actually deal with it? The community care team, they talk with a lot of people. Pastor Tammy, have you ever had to kind of navigate through this question? Oh, yeah. We, we've had people um, that we've dealt with who obviously were just looking for attention. And how we, I kind of personally decipher for that is if someone's really looking for 
like if they're just looking for attention, it's like everything is constantly negative. It's always negative. You don't ever see a positive with them. It's, it's always bad situations and you never see any improvement. You never see anything positive. I mean, I understand people go through bad situations. Yeah, yeah, they sure. do. I know people in the community right now who they're going through some pretty rocky situations, but even in their own struggles, you know, I'll hear from them and they'll say, but you know, at least God's doing this. Or you'll, you'll hear something positive. But with people seeking attention, you don't really hear a lot of positive. You just hear a lot of uh, negative stories and they're continuous and they're always popping up. And so the second part of that question was, how do I deal with it? Well, I like to find out what's really going on inside that person. What is causing them to seek this attention? You know, I like to find out first, like, what mental state are they in? And what I mean by that is, you know, if, if they're depressed, I'll go about it very, very carefully. But, you know, if they're in a good mental state, then I'll go ahead and, you know, try and find out what is the root? What is causing you to seek this attention? You know, are you lonely? Is there something going on from your past? You know, because usually when someone's seeking attention, there's more going on there. And so we yeah. want to try and find out what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that I think a lot of people online are curious to know because you you see people struggling, you hear people talking, and because there's a lo an anonymity in the internet, you're kind of wondering like what's true, what's not true, and those are those are difficult things. Amanda, I know that you've dealt a lot with that too. What do you want to add to that? Yeah, so I think when um, people are more so seeking attention, not always, but oftentimes you'll see them more so talking publicly rather than privately. They're, they're more willing to talk about everything that they're going through in a public chat, whether that be uh, Facebook, they're posting Facebook statuses, or um, like in Discord, like public channels, um, or like the Twitch chats, you know, where everyone can see. And then when you try, you know, talking with them one-on-one, -on -one, they want nothing to do with it and they just want to keep going in the public chat. And so whenever I see that happening, you know, and I'm, I'm finding us kind of going in circles, not really going anywhere, um, you know, I'll usually end up saying, you know, well, you know, hey, like, you know, obviously gently, you know, out of love, because you just never know, like what Pastor Tammy was saying, what where they're at, what they're going through. And um, I'll ask, um, are you seeking to resolve whatever is going on or do you just need someone to talk to? And uh, for me, that has helped tremendously. Yeah, understanding that is, is so important. And like they both communicated, ultimately our goal is never to just find out if you're only wanting attention and then just shoot you away. You're like, oh, you don't, re you don't really have a problem, you just want attention. No, when we, f when we find that that's the case, because that is the case often, that someone is just looking for attention, then like Pastor Tammy said, we want to get to the root and still minister to them and still love them. But it's important to identify that because if you realize that really the issue that they're bringing up isn't the real issue, you'll never end up solving the issue because you're solving the wrong issue. You've been solving the issue that doesn't really matter rather than the core and understanding that is very, very important. Pastor Ballas, what would you add to that? Yeah, so I, I think it's, uh, it's a super difficult situation, obviously. And to be able to tell if somebody is, is seeking attention or not, one thing that I've always looked for is um, kind of just, just the way that they type. I mean, you can honestly see it in the way they type. Not all of the time, but a lot of the times you'll see somebody type as if they were stuttering. But normally you won't see somebody stuttering in chat. You can find people stuttering in real life where they're talking to you and they might stutter a little bit. But in chat, normally you won't see something like that. So there's little things like that, but I do think it takes a lot of uh, wisdom. I think it takes a lot of discernment on whether somebody is actually looking for attention or if they're actually seeking help from a problem. Now, the thing that I will say is a lot of the times when somebody is seeking for attention, uh, I, mean, I mean, Pastor Tammy kind of touched on this, you, normally there is the root. Of, of the problem. And you got to kind of peel away the layers to be able to get to the root of the problem. But sometimes, unfortunately, some people are, aren't willing to go that far because they just wanted attention. We see it sometimes in Twitch. We see it in Discord, as Pastor Amanda was saying, where they're trying to take the attention away from everything else and put it onto themselves. And so it can take a lot of discernment and wisdom to be able to get to that point to understand it, but you can see those little signs here and there, but really there, there normally is something that's going on deep down on the inside of the person. Yeah, and it's really hard because sometimes you need to go back to which relationships do I restore, which relationships do I remove, because sometimes after a while, if you're trying to get down to the root, but the person doesn't want to talk about the root, they just want to keep on seeking attention, eventually you have to draw the line and see like, 
how much time can I spend talking to this person? Because you can't, you can't help people who don't want help. You can't help those who don't want to be helped. And you may run into this at times where you might have to say, you know, I really love and respect you. And you might have to stop the communication and just pray for them. Because no matter how much you try to help them, they won't receive your help. They just want to keep coming back for attention and attention and attention. And sometimes you can even be enabling that. And so that's a difficult thing to line, uh, draw, line to draw. And I encourage you to seek out wisdom and even come talk with one of us about what to do when you need to resolve or need to restore. Here's a tough one that I think a lot of people will relate to. What do I do if I wronged someone? So you, you were in the wrong in your relationship. You, you hurt a friend. You disrespected someone. I wronged someone, but they won't give me the opportunity to apologize. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Pastor AJ, have you ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a friend that I grew up with um, that I went to secondary school, or I mean, our high school, and um, we grew up together. I actually started playing World of Warcraft with him, and um, I never forced my faith on him. He always knew I was a Christian. I invited him to church, but um, one time I got this message off him. Just, just he told me, I don't want to be your friend no more, and he ended it with, um, I hope you burn in hell, and he blocked me from everything, I, and, I, and, I, and I still don't know what, what, what I, how I wronged him. I was blocked from everything. But the thing is, he, he blocked me from all the social media, everything, but he couldn't block my prayers. And I, and I, and I continue to this day to keep, keep him in prayer. And I just took it to God because it, it really hurt me. I, I had a lot of love for this, this friend. And, you know, he was the friend that actually brought me to World of Warcraft. And, and um, even we played other games together where I grew up. And um, it was real hard, but I, I've given it to God. And I, and, I, and I continue to pray for him for this day. And that's, that's something you can do. Just take it to God because um, they can block us from social media, but they can't block us praying for them, you know? Come on, come so, on. So I encourage you to do that if you're, if you're in that situation. Now, Pastor AJ, that's a very unique situation because uh, I'd love to ask a follow-up question to that because, for example, in my life, and I'm going to share a story in a minute, I know exactly what I did wrong. I'm able to pinpoint it. I can identify it, know exactly what I did. In your situation, yeah. and I've heard this happen to others, you don't know what you did. Was yeah. there a season where, man, it was just keeping you up at night wondering, like, what did I do? Like, what could yeah. I have done differently? What could I have yeah. changed? And then how did you work through moving past that? Yeah, really, I, I, it did keep me up at night. I, I, and I, I was even thinking, will I go to his house? And will I, but I don't want to, you know, he, like, he told me not to come near him. So I was like, I, I don't want to invade this, you know, invade that. And I really did keep me up at night. And, and God gave me this peace knowing that, that God's going to work the situation out. You know, he's going to take care of him. I, I'm still praying for his salvation. He's not saved. And that, that was the main thing, you know, because um, we, we need to save our friends. We need to get them to heaven with us. Yeah. You know, if we really care and we really love about love them, everybody, even if, we, if, if you say you don't love them, but we should, that should be our goal as Christians. And I've just given it to the God, and God's giving me this peace, you know, that he's going he's gonna to take care of it. He's going to work all things out. So that's really what's um, in my comfort and my, in my strength. It's been Jesus and God. Yeah, sometimes you, you never get an answer, and you have to yeah. let the Lord help you to be okay with the fact that you're not going to get an answer. Amanda, what about you? So I had a friend that I knew in high school that when I went away to college, she eventually came for a year, and we were in college together, and um, that whole year was, was rough. Um, you know, she just, out of the blue, just started getting, like, really aggressive with me. Um, like, it was really extreme, and I'm like, what, what in the world? Like, what did I do? Like, did I say something? Did I do something? I had no idea. And, you know, I maybe I did. Probably I did, you know, because definitely back then in college, I had a, had a lot going on. <laughs> um, you know, that was, was all of, yeah, we have... There you go. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I had a lot going on. And I was, you know, really just trying to find myself and figure myself out at that time. And so I probably was doing things wrong. Um, and I just remember, like, going to her and I'm like, what, what, what's wrong? Like, what did I do? And she's like, you can't handle the truth. And I was like, I, I can't. I can't <laughs> like please just tell me you know because I really love you and you're a really great friend um, and I want to I want to work this out like I want to know what I did wrong and she was just unwilling um, and, and instead of just telling me what I did wrong she just treated me horribly she talked about me back with our friends back at home and so she didn't just bring me down like personally like she brought me down like with other people too um, and she made other people think low of me as well and all this time I have no idea why and so that was really tough. And I tried, like I said, I tried talking with her, asking her what I did wrong. And she was just never willing to tell me. And so that was something I just had to let go. And that was a friendship I also had to let go as well. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't a friendship that 
was clearly meant to last. And so I had to let it go, give it to God, and just pray. And be like, God, just reveal to me. If I'm doing something wrong, please show me. But in that case, I just had to let it go. So. Yeah. For me, I had a, uh, I won't go into, too, for the sake of time, I won't share too, too many details. I've shared the story in my stream several times, but, you know, growing up, I, I went to church and I sat in the, sat in the church every week and I believed in God, knew there was a God in heaven, but I, I put it this way that I made Jesus my savior, right? I was like, yeah, I acknowledge I've done some bad things. I probably need forgiveness. Hell sounds like a horrible place. Definitely don't want to go there. And so the opportunity to go to heaven sounds great. Made Jesus my savior, but never made him my Lord wasn't willing to obey his commands and to follow his guidance. And so because of that, I was a very wish-washy Christian. Some people might say you got one foot in the world, one foot in the church, acting one way, one here, one way there. And so I was a very wish-washy Christian. And so I didn't always treat people the way that God would have wanted me to, didn't want always act. And so because of that, in some of my relationships, I, I mistreated people in ways I'm not proud of. And I can think back to a very specific relationship where uh, the relationship went very, very south. And if I'm being 100% honest, the blame was, was all on me. It wasn't really the other person. And I remember they knew I was you know, a Christian, went to church, and I remember they, they said a phrase to me that just was engraved in my mind for so many years. And they said to me, if, if Jesus is anything like you, then I never want to be like either one of you. And I remember that, it just it burned a hole in my soul and I knew exactly what I'd done wrong. And there was no one else to blame except myself. And I just remember trying everything to try to make it right. Everything to try to apologize. Everything to gain and earn their forgiveness. And it was never possible. They never forgave me. I was never able to get closure. And honestly, for years, I walked around with that guilt. But then in that process, I really, really gave my life to follow Jesus. And I want to encourage some of you today to know that you might not always be able to get forgiveness from the people that you've hurt. Ultimately, obviously, it's good to try to restore. It's good to try to get forgiveness. But in the moments when you can't, I just I pray in Jesus' name that you'll, you'll learn to embrace the way that I did. And honestly, it took me a few years to really move past that relationship, move past that issue. And really, sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. And I would encourage you in Jesus' name to know today that no matter, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, even if you have things that you feel like you're really not proud of the way that I do, if you've given your life to follow Jesus, the Bible says that the, the old is gone and the new has come. You've been cleansed, forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Isaiah says that your sins have gone for being as red as scarlet to as white as snow. And I, I want you to hear me today. I don't know who needs to hear this and what you've done that someone won't forgive you for, even if they won't forgive you, God has forgiven you if you've repented of your sins. And I want you to know today, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. You don't need to keep trying to get their approval. You already have God's. And I know that's easier said than done, but I pray in Jesus' name that you'll be set free from that guilt today the way that God set me free. Here's a question I think that's going to rely uh, uh, relate to a lot of people. Maybe you pull on some strings, you know what I'm saying? Okay. What do I do if I am romantically interested in someone, but they are not a Christian? Oh, snap. <laughs> Pastor Boz, I'm kicking this one to you, brother. I'm about to get real with some of y'all, all right? First of all, hearts in chat for Unworthy Seraph and Techie for the greatest tech team Come on, ever. Anyways, I'm about to get real with you guys. Uh, let me read a scripture for you before I, before I dive into this question. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says this, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? The first thing that I want to say is, yoke, okay, it's not a yoke. It's a yoke. There's a difference. It's not the middle of an egg. It's a yoke. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll get that out of the way first. I won't go into describing exactly what a yoke is, but essentially, well, I guess I will. It's something that it's something that was used back back in the day. I don't know if they still use them today. Probably not. I wouldn't think so. 
But anyways, if you guys go to the Yoke Talk, you guys can find what a, a picture of a yoke and what it actually is. But what it was is uh, it would be laying on two animals, and essentially the two animals, the oxen usually, would be pulling along some type of machinery to help plow the fields or whatever it might be for what they were doing during during uh uh, far, farm season? I don't even think that's a thing. But anyways, <laughs> they would use it during that time. And you can un understand that if they were unequally yoked, if there was only one oxen, the oxen would just be dragging it in a circle going in circles, and they wouldn't actually go anywhere. Uh, and for you and your relationship, you can find, you know, the reason why this is said is because you won't be able to move forward in your relationship in any way, shape, or form if you're trying to be with somebody romantically and you're unequally yoked. One person is a Christian, the other person being a non-Christian doesn't have the same beliefs as you. There's going to be a whole lot of issues that come from this, and it's going to be a lot harder to be able to have a relationship with this person, especially in the future. Because you got to understand, one day, let's say you guys get committed with each other and you guys go before God and before each other, you make vows and one per person is an unbeliever and the other is. You guys are going to start having issues on how should we bring up the kids? How should we go about this? Maybe God's yeah. calling you to be a missionary, but your spouse, unfortunately, because they don't believe, they don't want to spend all the money to be able to help you be able to go on the purpose of what God has set you on. And now, the, as the Bible tells us, now we have a commitment to Christ and we have a commitment to our spouse as well. Yeah. It gets very hard to be able... It's already hard to balance those two things when you're in an equally yoked relationship, but it's 10 times harder if you're unequally yoked. And also, I do want to say, I was in a lot of unequally yoked relationships when I was back in high school, and I will say, they dragged me down in a lot of different ways. They dragged me down spiritually. They dragged me down just mentally. They dragged me down emotionally. It was very, very, very difficult because they didn't have the same beliefs that I did. And so I want to encourage you guys, if you are in a relationship, you're unequally yoked, obviously if you're not married, I would encourage you to really sit down and pray to God and be and, and ask God and just truly figure out a way. Because I, I will promise you, you're going to have a lot more hurt in the end and a lot more struggles in the end if you get into a committed relationship with somebody and you are unequally yoked then you will if you then the hurt that you'll go through now with just a minor breakup because once you have a vow like i said and you go before god and you make a vow to this person before christ and with this person it's it's going to be difficult yeah. at that point in time yeah i had a lot of you know relationships in high school that i dated with people who you know didn't believe in god and i mentioned i was wishwashy and when we say like they're going to bring you down we don't mean it in any way shape or form like we think that they're we're better than they are and we're up here and they're there anything like that but the verse said, like, what you have in common. And a lot of relationships are built off of what you have in common. Interests, hobbies, values, whatever it might be. But when Jesus is number one in your life, and for the other person, Jesus is not even on their priority list at all, it becomes very difficult for you to maintain your faith. Because the person you spend most of your time with completely disagrees that God should even be on, the, on a list at all, never mind on the top of the list. They're, they're offended that you love Jesus more than you love them. And so ultimately it just comes down to, even though I really like this person, because you can have emotions and you can have romantic feelings towards someone who doesn't believe in God. I've, I've, done, I've had it. And the reality is you just need to come to that place where you, you submit to the point of, who do I love more, this person or Jesus, in submitting to his teaching? Pastor Tammy, have you ever found yourself in a situation like this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the term um, missionary dating. The whole snap where, uh, is going there. You know, you go on the purpose of, of dating, you know, you're a Christian, but you see this non-Christian and you're like, well, they're nice. They're really nice, you know, they have a great personality. I can definitely win them over for a relationship with Christ, right? Missionary dating. Well, I got to tell you, it, it doesn't always work that way. And I, I learn best by like illustrations. And I have this awesome illustration I would love to, to like show you guys. So be mad, guys, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to actually get up here. And can I steal you two? I'm going to go ahead and steal you two. You guys, can I indeed. love illustrations. So we got to go up. I'm going to go right here in the middle. Okay, now I'm over here now. Okay, so I'm going to actually have you get off the stage here. Okay. I want to have Amanda get down. We're going to have you on the stage. Okay. No, I'll have you stand. Oh, oh we lost your pack I there. My pack. It's okay. He'll get his pack hey, back. No. Are you not, no, actually, you guys are good right there. Can we see them? Yes. We, no, can we see Amanda? We can see Amanda. Okay. Huh. And so what we have here is we have Amanda, you know, and she is, represents a non-Christian. And now, just like Pastor Susie just said, 
we're not saying that non-Christians are down on a different level, they're below us. No, we're not saying that at all. This is just an illustration to get a point across. Like I said, I love illustrations. And then we have Pastor Susie, who is the, the Christian. Now, see, Pastor Susie, he's just, you know, he's, he's living his life, and he sees this beautiful girl, and she Dang. seems so nice. Yeah, see? And he just, you know, hey, she seems nice. Like, I kind of want to get to know her a little bit here, and, you know, I'm going to start dating her because, you know, she's kind of cool. He asked her out. She says, yeah, they start dating. Well, what do you know? He starts trying to pull her up and bring her to church. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? You know, why don't we, you know, come to youth group, come do this, come listen about God. You know, he's pulling. He's tugging, you know, trying to get her to come. To, yeah, it's not, it's not working too well. You, you're trying to get <laughs> trying to pull that non-Christian up to learn, you know, okay, I want to bring you to a relationship of Christ. And yeah, you, you can keep pulling all you want, but it's like yeah, yeah. pulling up dead weight to trying to get that non-Christian sometime. Now, on the other end, you have Amanda, who's the, the non-Christian, you know, and she's like, I'm going to try and, uh, you know, bring him down to my level here. I'm going to have him uh, come hang out with me and my friends, you know, do some non-Christian things. You know, maybe we'll, uh, I'll see if he'll be interested in Dang drinking. It. And you can see how easy it is to pull them down to that level. And that's, that's kind of what happens. You know, thank you guys for helping out there. That's kind of like what happens in a, you know, a relationship when you have a Christian and a non-Christian is you don't mean to. You never mean to get pulled down. You don't. But it's always, always what happens. And, and it is possible to bring someone up. It is, but, but it's it is really hard. very, very hard. And it should never be the purpose. Yeah. Should never be the purpose. Like I said, missionary dating. People try to justify it, right? Oh, well, well, you know what? I just I want them to love Jesus too. So what better way than to date them? I, I'd be around them and I could influence them. And we try to justify going against God's word. Yeah. And all of God's word is there to protect and to benefit and for his glory. And sometimes we think God's boundaries are meant to remove the fun from our lives and to make our lives dull. And they're not. They're meant to protect us, meant to do what's best for us. Because God knows, like Pastor Tammy said, it's, it's easier to pull down than it is to pull up. It is possible. I've seen it happen in relationships. I still believe that they shouldn't have happened in the first place because, again, you had to sign up to go against God's word to even begin that relationship. But... God can redeem all things. And I've seen great relationships that have started with one saved, one unsaved. They both ended up getting saved and got married and all that kind of stuff. But I would never recommend beginning a relationship with someone who doesn't share your Savior because there's just there's too much to disagree on, and that disagreement will lead to strife in the relationship. Next question. My children seem to have some hobbies and passions that I'm just not interested in or know nothing about. What can I do to, to try and still connect with my children? We got some parents on the staff now, okay? We got multiple, more than ever, actually. Pastor AJ, what are your thoughts, my friend? Yeah, so um, um, my daughter, she likes LOL dolls. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan of dolls, right? <laughs> but um, but I, I got to make an effort to, 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 to learn about them and, and just to be in her life. So I, so I influence in her because if I'm not influencing her, Somebody else will be, you know. Yeah. And I, re I, I really got to make that effort to, um, to to learn about these dolls, and I and I and I sit there with her and ask her questions about them and learn about them. At the same time that I get that I could bring in, you know, uh, scripture and about people in the Bible that that, that she could learn about. So, it's, but it, there has to be um, we 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 have to be interested in what our kids love, you know, and, and then we can show them what we love, and you know, and our love for Christ, and then that, that will overflow, you know. So, but like if if you're not if you're not gonna if you say you know I don't like that stuff, I'm not gonna. Try, try to be involved in it, then somebody else will. Should be an influence on somebody off of YouTube or something else, but so for us to really make that effort, you know, because it's our children, we really got to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And if they, even if they depart from it, they'll come back, you know. True. You know, Paul says in the New Testament that we should become all things to all men, then we'll reach them. So Pastor AJ, become a doll Amen. lover. Hey, become a doll lover. <laughs> come on. Merrick, what do you think about that question? Um, yeah, I agree. You have to... Uh help your kids and, and know what they're doing, uh, be interested in it. Um, our son, for example, wanted to play soccer when he was younger, but we had like the, the whole environment around here at least uh, was very toxic in, in, in the soccer world. So we said, yeah, we don't want you to play soccer. Um, but there was another sport and it's called korfball. It's it's kind of basketball-like, but a lot of the rules are a lot different. And I love basketball, but I 
did like uh, Korval, but um, it's the same thing. Like we, could, we, we can say like, you're not allowed to play soccer, but if we don't invest in joining him and watching him play Korval and, and um, we took him to uh, tournaments and stuff like that, if we didn't do that, then he could have, well, I'm not allowed to play this, but they're not interested in what I do play. So then you'd push him away. So like, so we did do that and we talked about it and we encouraged him to, to continue and to, to do that sport and be there for him. I think it's great. Pastor Tammy, the last parent on the staff. What are your thoughts? Oh, there's a lot, a lot of good stuff here. Yeah, I mean, I, engage and learn what, what they're into. I, I have this saying that if it matters to them, it should matter to you. Because if they're watching something, if they're playing something, if, if they're into something, you know, it should matter to you, one, because you want to know what they're into. You want to know what your kids are watching. What are they engaging in? You know, one of the best ways to do it is, is to sit down and talk to them and not, not approach it in the sense of, what have you been watching? Because, you know, no kid wants to hear that. But in all honesty, just, you know, have a real conversation with them. Say, what exactly is this about? I had like to check it out, you know. And my kids have showed me some, uh, some YouTubers and, and some people on Twitch and, I've actually come to sit down and watch it with them because I found out that I like some of the people they watch and Beth is mouthing people to me right now. <laughs> but they have introduced people to me and I found out, hey, the first question says I'm not in, or this first part says that I'm not interested in, but I've come to find out that I actually am interested in some of the stuff that they're watching and they're taking part of and, and stuff like that. And it also gives you a chance to bond with your kids. Yeah. You know, so many times we say, oh, our kids are so busy, their faces are on their TVs or in their video games or, or stuff like that, and they have no time for me. Well, make time for them. Ask them. Say, hey, can I engage in what you're doing? Can I, can I see who you're watching? Can I sit down with you? It might annoy them at first, but then, believe me, they're going to really appreciate you spending time and, and getting to know what they're watching. And it also is good because you do kind of want to monitor what your kids oh, yeah. are watching, who they're listening to, because there are some YouTubers out there and Twitch streamers and friends they're hanging out with that are not the best influences. And so the best way is to get involved, be involved. And like I said, if it matters to them, it should matter to you. 100%. That was a question we wanted to answer from the perspective of the parents, but we kind of want to 180 and now answer from the perspective of the child, of the teenagers, right? We just launched Palace Youth Ministry here at God Squad Church. Let's go. Our first ever youth ministry. And that means we got teenagers in our community. And we want to answer a question from their perspective. And a lot of people probably relate to this, even if it's not your parent, but maybe a spouse or a friend, whatever it might be. Here's the question. My parents don't seem to understand me and my passion for gaming or things like Twitch. They think it's a huge waste of time and it's hurting our relationship. What can I do? Pastor AJ, how would you advise someone in this situation? Yeah, so I want us to look at Ephesians 6, um, 1 to 3. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. I want The first part of that scripture, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And really, like, parents, sometimes they, 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 there's a stigma that goes with gaming, you know, that it's lazy or it's bad for your brain. But like even for in, in my own personal life, I had to explain because I, I've, I've had a passion for gaming since I, I was young. You know, I, I, I've been playing games since I can remember. And um, especially when Twitch came around, I, I really had to explain my goals behind this, especially as Christians. If, if you're a Twitch streamer and, um, and, and, and you're a Christian, your, your, your priority should be to let people know about your testimony, about what God's done. And if you explain that to your parents and you honor them, you don't just, you know, oh, they don't want to know. I'm not, I'm not going to tell them. You slam the door on them or... You know, um, um, I ain't got that, but no, but do it in an honoring way to be, because respect them, you know, and, and it, it, there's a promise that goes with this. We, we, we do it because, and God's going to bless us with a long life. I want to have a long life. I want to be able to stream when I'm 70 years old, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but who knows? You know, I want to be preaching the gospel still when I'm 70, but, um, but just explain your, your, your goals and explain what, what, what your plan is, especially if, if I mean, reaching people, changing lives, there's, there's no greater calling than saving a life. And that's literally what we're doing here on Twitch. And, and, and if you're, if you're um, a Christian involved in this, explain that to them. I'm sure they'll understand. That they'll, they'll see how passionate you are about it. But then you have to have a balance, too, you know? And to piggyback off that, Pastor AJ, it's so important to help parents, spouses, whatever it might be, just understand why you love it, even if they don't. 
Like, for example, when me and Amanda first got married, she wasn't really into gaming. She didn't really play video games. Now she plays. She, you know, she loves playing Rust and games like Zelda, Animal Crossing. She's still not like a hardcore gamer like I am. But when we first got married, like she like barely had played video games besides a little bit of Zelda when she was younger. But it wasn't like a regular thing she did like it is from time to time now. And what I would encourage all people to do in any relationships is even if the other person never likes it, help them understand why you like it. Help them understand, like, I know that you think it's a waste of time, but it, it really does genuinely make me happy. And here's why. Because, you know, you got I know you hate it, but I love it. In games like RuneScape, I love being able to accomplish those goals and getting level after level after level. And I love, like, for some, for some of you, it might be like, well, I, I finally found something that I'm good at. Like, maybe you're not super athletic, and you've, you picked up a FPS game, and you're like, wow, I could click faces like I've never seen. And you're like, wow, mom, I, I found something I'm good at. And it's enjoyable for me to do that. And even if it's not something that you enjoy, I just wanted you to understand me better. Pastor Tammy spoke on the perspective. Ask the questions to your kids. Why do you enjoy this? But even if your parent isn't doing that, maybe sit down with them. Maybe you're noticing some tension in your relationship and say, hey, mom and dad, like, are, are we able to sit down? I'd love to just sit down and explain to you, like, why I love video games so much or why I hang out on Twitch because they might think it's stupid. Like, why are you watching someone else playing? Like, you're not even playing. You, you're finally finding a sense of community with people who don't think you're a weird loser because you game and you, you're making friends online because COVID shut the whole world down and help them understand your perspective because a lack of understanding will always be damaging to relationships. Always. And so if you help them understand, it'll be a great, great point. And the last thing I'll say is be willing to compromise. Your parents might not hate video games. They just might hate the fact that you play 15 hours a day. And I'll be honest, it's not exactly an unreasonable thing to hate, okay? <laughs> they, you might be like, well, my parents just don't want to let me game. No, they might be willing to let you game if, if, you just, if it's not all you did. If you weren't skipping your homework, if you weren't staying up too late, if you weren't playing when you shouldn't be playing, they might be willing to let you play. They just might want you to play in moderation. And so be willing to compromise. Be willing to find that health in your relationship so you guys can avoid some of the hurt that it's causing and begin to win in your relationship, even if they don't ever start gaming with you. Last few questions we want to get through. This is a very, very important one. Even if a couple is in love and engaged to be married, what are some red flags that would show you that they are actually not right for each other, even if they think that they are? Pastor Balls, what do you think about this? Yeah, so this is a this is this is a really tough one to be completely honest. Because if you're already engaged to somebody, I mean, you haven't made those vows yet, you haven't made that commitment yet, but you're in a committed relationship. If you've gotten this far, let's be completely honest. But there's obviously still definitely some things that need to be worked out, and so I think one of the biggest ones uh, is communication. Yeah. I had a I had a friend of mine. I have very very rarely made this statement. I think I've made it twice in my life, and one of them I was wrong. I'll be completely honest with you. I was wrong. I uh, I, I told one of my friends though. Um, he he was talking to me about their communication issues before they got married, and I told him that it was going to end in divorce. And it was really hard for me to tell him that. It broke my heart to tell him that. And I wasn't saying that this person wasn't the right person for him. But at that time, at least, I said, don't rush into this because it looks like it's going it's, it's going down a bad path. Um, he had told me one day he came home from uh, premarital counseling. They had a 100-question test on communication, and they got a zero. Out of 100 questions, they didn't answer any of them. Dang. in a way where it would give them even just one point in communication. I was like, okay, there's obviously some issues in this pastor went ahead and married them. And unfortunately it did end in a divorce. And so I would say if you're uh, in a relationship and you're having trouble communicating with each other, if you're scared, listen, there are some hard questions that need to be asked before you get married. There needs to be some real life things that you are going to go through. Jobs, you might need to go through relationships with your family, talking about if we're going to have kids. These are all very real things that if you're planning on getting married, but you're scared to ask those questions, I would say even just being scared that even might be a red flag. I'm not saying that the person's not right for you. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. But you might just be moving a little bit too quick towards a committed relationship because you never know. If the person answers completely differently, 
it's gonna uh, after you get married, things get ten times harder. Oh yeah, every single time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Everybody told me that that things were gonna get you know ten times harder, like issues that you don't work out, and they did. Uh, I thank God that me and me and my wife Danielle, we didn't have a lot of things that we didn't go through before we got married. We went through a lot of things, but the thing is, is is after you get married, you have that honeymoon phase where everything is good, couple months here, maybe after six months, but then really the issues start ramping up a little bit and then you start realizing that yeah there's some things we need to work out and it gets 10 times harder after you find that out yeah yeah people think it's going to get easier but uh it it doesn't man pastor aj what, what would you have to say about this reasons that would be a red flag that a couple should not continue moving on towards marriage until some of these things can be resolved um yeah so for from in my life um really it was it was seen Donna, um, her love for God, a salvation, really. If they're, if they're not saved, and we talked about it earlier on about being yoked. But um, I, remember, I remember being in the church, and I, and I, I prayed for a long time because, you know, we, we had, there's a lot of people in church, you know, um, and a lot, a lot of people like you. Lot, you know, a lot of people like my wife. I remember um, her being, um, because she's singing on worship. There was, there was guys trying to line up, you know, and I, and I really prayed like, Lord. And, I, and, I, and what I seen, what, what made me really like fall in love with my, with my wife was her love for God, and and, that, and that's really something you got as Christians that we got to have. Like you know, even in our, even for myself, I, I had to make sure that I, I that I'm saved, that I, that when I get married, that, that yeah, two become one. But we can't do this without Jesus. So salvation. If if she didn't have the love for God she had, it would have been a real big red flag for me. And we wouldn't. Our, our marriage wouldn't have made it. God, God is what has kept us together. So we, we've been through some hard times and some battles. And and I, I I say like she let me down I've let her down and you know and certain things in life but we ran to, we both ran to Jesus and, and 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 being saved has kept has has kept our marriage strong you know putting God number one has kept it strong and for me that there are like in church a lot of there's a lot of people you know and there's a lot of other girls that growing up that that liked me that other guys that like Donna but the fact that I seen her love for Christ that 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 really you know like, man she loves she loves God and even when when she went through stuff how how she would run to God you know and she and she would continue to be faithful. In her ministry, it just you know, it was it was like, well, this 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 is wifey right here, you know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it, it really is a blessing to see. So I, I encourage you, like, if you're if you're saved and God, make make God number one, and make sure that person that you're that you're falling in love with has has the same values that you have um, for the love of, for the love of God, you know. And to follow up with that, it's like in even just to clarify what what I'm trying to communicate along with what Pastor Eddie said is the idea of values. A relationship will not work if you do not share values. It doesn't matter if you're three days from your wedding. If you do not share values, your marriage will not work. And ultimately, Jesus is the number one value. But this is what I tell people all the time, to have hard conversations before you get married about everything. Like, how are we going to raise our children? Like, how do you feel about disciplining children? How do you feel about money? Do you believe in a budget? Like, how, how, how do you want to live financially? Because one person may be like, oh, I just want to swipe the credit card all day long. And you're like, whoa, I'm, I don't even have a credit card. I don't believe in debt. Like, we, we, we don't agree. Like, oh, well, I, I never want to buy a house because I'm too afraid. Oh, I just always want to rent. Like, whatever it might be. But people are like, whoa, that, you know, real estate can be one of the most financial. Like, you just might not agree on some serious fundamental things about life. One person might be like, oh, I want to move away from this state and live in Texas. But some of people are like, whoa, I'm never leaving my parents. You got to talk about values. Because if you once, you, once you tie that knot and your values are not on the same page, oh my goodness, you will never be able to resolve it because they might not even be the issue of right or wrong. It might just be the issue of different. It might not be like, well, I'm right and you're wrong. You need to get on my level. It might be like, no, our values don't just line up. Some Christians might be like, well, it's definitely a sin to get drunk. But the Bible says that drinking alcohol is not a sin when you do it in a healthy manner, socially acceptable, and honoring of God. One spouse might be like, I will not allow alcohol in my house. And the other might be like, well, I want to casually drink. What's the problem? You're going to have some serious issues. And none of them are wrong. One of them has a conviction that I want to be around alcohol. And the other one's like, well, I'm going to do it in a way that honors God. What's the problem? Neither one of them is wrong. But those can't exist in the same house. And so values. You have to share values. You might not agree on every tiny little detail about life. But if you don't agree on big values, it will not work. And once you get married, you're, you're stuck. And values are a deal breaker. 
I want to end with one last question before we jump into a very quick spitfire round. In this one, Pastor Man, I'm going to kick to you. This one's very, very sensitive and very, very important. How can I begin a process of forgiving someone who has hurt me? Oh, boy. Um, it's so hard. Um, it's very hard. And I first want to say that, um, first and foremost, forgiveness doesn't always happen overnight. It's something that takes a while. It's a process, um, especially if the wounds are, are very deep and if you've been badly hurt by people. Um, I've gone through a few situations with immediate family members who've badly, deeply hurt me. And I had some deep wounds. And not only deep wounds, but like it like affected me. Like it left me like messed up. <laughs> um, and it was really hard for me to work through it. And it was by far not something that I could do overnight. To, and to be honest, it took years. It took years for me to truly find true forgiveness and freedom from what happened. And every situation is different. You know, maybe, you know, you're better at forgiving than others. It's easier for you. Um, I don't think necessarily anyone is better, but maybe it's easier um, you know, depending on the situation, you know, maybe your wounds aren't that deep. Maybe you're just frustrated that like your husband <laughs> didn't do the dishes when they say that they would. <laughs> and, you know, I don't think bad. you need to take years to forgive them for that, you know, just let it go, you know. But, um, you know, for these for these deeper, deeper issues, you have to allow yourself time and give yourself grace in that. And, you know, very, very clearly want to communicate it does not happen overnight. You need to allow yourself time. You need to allow God a time to to heal your heart and to do a work in you to heal what happened and you know even just the process the process of healing um, it, it's not something that we should want to rush through because there's so much that we can learn in that process and once we've come out on the other side we'll be so much stronger because we went through that process um, I want to read a verse that says Ephesians uh, 4:32. Uh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And we we need to forgive because God forgave us. He forgives us over and over and over and over again when we don't deserve it. So sometimes maybe this person who hurt you, maybe they don't deserve to be forgiven but we should give it anyways. Why? Because God gave, forgave us when we didn't deserve it. Amen. And so it's very important forgiveness. And it's, it's, it's for the other person, you know, to, to set them free, you know, to forgive them from what they've done. But it's also for you to set yourself free. Because if you hold on to grudges and if you're always living frustrated every time that person pops up, to your, it pops up into your mind, every time you see their car, <laughs> the same car model that they would drive and you feel those feelings on the inside, when you forgive someone, you're set free from all of that. You don't have those grudges. You don't have those bad feelings. You're truly set free and it's, it's a good thing for you to do. It will truly allow you to heal and move forward. So, but it's very important. God forgave you, and so we need to make sure that we forgive others even when they don't deserve it. Yeah, and I know we're running short on time, but I feel the Holy Spirit communicating in my heart that I really think this is, this is for someone that sometimes when it comes to forgiveness, sometimes forgiveness is a decision first and a feeling later. I think sometimes when it comes to forgiving people, we, we wait until the moments where I can think about them without being angry or I can look at their, their Twitter feed or their Facebook posts without remembering what they did. And forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't remember what they did. It also doesn't mean that you still like them. It means that you've made a decision to allow their wrongs to go unpunished by you. You've made a decision in your heart that because God allowed me to go unpunished for my sins, I'm gonna allow you to go unpunished for yours. I'm not, I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to put you down, and I, I'm going to choose to begin a process of not hating you anymore. And I think sometimes you make the decision first, and the feeling comes later. You make a conscious effort to today. Today, I'm choosing to break the chains of unforgiveness in my life, and, and I'm choosing today to forgive you when you don't deserve it. And you might never like that person again. 
I've forgiven people, but I'll never hang out with them again. (laughs) They're not allowed in my house anymore, but I'm also not going to allow them in my head to torture me for the rest of my life. And so I just wanted to say that to someone. I felt the Holy Spirit speaking that to me. For some of you, you might not feel it today, but I pray you'll make a decision today. Remember that person that hurt you. Today, I'm going to forgive them and allow God to heal my heart later. We want to finish up today with a spitfire round of a very, very, very simple question for all of us that are on the screen. What is the best piece of relationship advice that you could give? Okay, now preachers, no preaching, including me. Okay, y'all ready for this spitfire round? Pastor Ball, starting with you. Had to start with me. I would say uh, truth and honesty. You got to have those in a relationship. If you don't have truth and honesty in a relationship um, and you're hiding things, eventually the Bible tells us that everything comes out in the light eventually. It's always going to come out at some point. Not So be truthful, be honest with your spouse about everything um, because if you're not, eventually it's going to break your trust. And if there's no trust in a relationship, that can be really damaging in all aspects of your relationship. Trust is the foundation. Mirik, spitfire round. Best advice you can give. Um, I agree with uh, Pastor Boz on the truth and honesty. I do want to mention one thing. Don't nick, nitpick on the truth. Like, was it yesterday or was it the day before? Was it one o'clock or was it two o'clock? Because then you get into a discussion that it's not relevant at that moment. And you could get into arguments that are not necessary. Um, and also, in the honesty, be willing to admit when you're wrong. Oh, yeah. In marriage, you'll have a lot of stupid fights about nothing. <laughs> That's a big one. <laughs> you'll have a lot of stupid fights about nothing is the truth. Spit for around, and I'm held to the same standard. Best advice that I could give is love the relationship more than you love being right. There are going to be times when you're right and they're wrong. Just be willing to apologize anyway because you care more about the relationship being resolved than you do about making sure that you come out on top and win. Love the relationship more than you love being right. Come on. I'm kicking it over to Pastor Tammy. What's your best advice you can give Spitfire? Oh, man, you know I like to talk, right? Um, My best advice for any relationship, whether it's marriage, um, you know, in your family, with your kids, with just anybody, is that investment. You invest in what you want to grow. You want your relationship to grow with your spouse, with your best friend, with your kids, with anybody. You got to invest in it. You just can't expect it to grow on your own. You got to pour into it. You got to you got to make sure you're making time for it. And that's a huge one is investment. Investments. When you put money into an investment financially, the investment starts off at a certain level, but it grows and gets better than what you originally put in. Pastor Amanda, what do you think, my friend? Learn to understand when it is time to confront and fix. Looking at you, and when it is time to allow time for the other person to process, to think through how they're feeling, and just to whatever you know, give them time. And if you're not sure, you know which which time it is, whether it's time to confront and fix, or whether it's time to just listen or give space, you can ask. That's very important as well. I love it. I'm still learning. Y'all pray for me. Last but not least, Pastor AJ, best advice you could give. Best advice, um, love God more than you love the relationship. Come on, somebody. And put, put, you got to put God number one. I, I realized that through my life and through all my relationships, and when they started to fall apart, because I because I, I put God, I, I got God from number one to number three. God has to be number one, you know? And uh, every, once you have this right, all, all this starts to work out. I'm telling you, it, it, it works 100%. I guarantee it. You get nowhere else you get 100% guarantee. But if you get your relationship right with God, the other relationship is going to work out. And that's the best advice I can give you because it's worked for me so, uh, so, many, uh, so, so many relationships, you know, and just make God number one. 100%. And our entire mission today was to answer some of your questions to ultimately help you win a relationship. So Pastor AJ, I think that's number one. If you want to win your relationships, I believe having Jesus at the center is number one. If you want to be a better husband, love God and love more than you love your wife because he will shape you, convict you, correct you, encourage you, challenge you to be a better husband. You want to be a better Amen. friend, love Jesus, because he will encourage you, challenge you, convict you, uplift you, encourage you to be a better friend. You want to be a better dad, better mom, love Jesus, because he will challenge you, encourage you, uplift you, encourage you to be Amen. a better parent. When you love Jesus more than your other relationships, the best thing you can do for the people you love is to love God more than you love them, because he'll shape you 
and it'll transform you. Friends, obviously there's so much that we could talk about relationships, but we, we hope today's God Talk has been insightful for you. Hope it's been practical. We love to bring messages that actually help people win. We want you to walk away with tools and things you can actually apply to your lives. We want to encourage you, relationships and hearing wisdom and being encouraged. It doesn't stop on us at Saturday service. We want to encourage you. We have got great leaders and pastors on our staff and our community care team. You might have a very specific situation that you maybe want some guidance, some encouragement what to do. Please feel free to reach out to us. Get into our Discord. Send us an email at connect at God Squad Church. We want to help you win, but just not for 45 minutes, or this has probably been an hour, on a Saturday. We want to do our best to help you win all throughout the week. And so, friends, we hope that today you've been blessed, that you've been encouraged. But we want to do our best to ask God and pray because we need the Holy Spirit to help us win. You can walk away with information, but applying it is a lot more difficult. And So let's go to the Lord and pray and ask God to help us continue to win in our relationships. God, we thank you so much for, first and foremost, God, the fact that you've given us guidance. You've given us wisdom on how we can actually win in our relationships. Thank you the Bible is more than just an instruction manual. Thank you that it's divine. Thank you that it's anointed. Thank you that it's true. And thank you that, God, it applies to all areas of our lives. And God, we pray for people today who have got some bad blood, some tension, maybe some unforgiveness in their relationships. I pray, God, right now that you would pinpoint in people's minds and hearts uh, a relationship that either needs to be resolved or to be removed. And God, help them to start putting some steps in place to make that happen. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us as gamers to thrive in our relationships and to ultimately submit them to your lordship. We pray, God, that you would help us to keep you at the center so that we can be better husbands, better spouses, better friends, better children, better co-workers, so that we can shine the love of Jesus to this world. And so, God, we just invite you not only into our relationships, but to be the center so that our lives might give you honor, that our lives might give you glory. We sincerely ask you, Lord, to help us. We need you today, and we thank you for it. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Some of you who were listening to us, uh, a lot of times what happens is is we start, we've been talking about relationships with each other for the most part, whether it be romantic or friendships and things like that, but the most important relationship that we can have is with Jesus Christ. And so some of you out there, you might be thinking, you heard a lot of answers that were like, love God more than the relationship or whatever it might be. And the reason why we, we believe this is because all relationships, we're all going to fail in some way, shape, or form. I am going to fail my wife in some way, shape, or form. You know, uh, friendships, I'm going to fail my friends somehow. But Jesus Christ will never fail you. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Or maybe you want to rededicate your life because you're realizing there's some things that have been going on in your life that don't exactly line up with what God would have you be in that relationship because you've you've been you've been kind of walking away. Not that not it's not that it was God's fault, but there were some things that you've been doing for a long time where you've been you've been running away from God. And so I want to ask you and give you an opportunity to rededicate your life. Because let me tell you something about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the relationship that he won with you was ultimate love. And he showed that ultimate love by coming down to this world and dying on the cross for our sins. We've done wrong things. I've done wrong things. Pastor Susie, Pastor Amanda, we've all done wrong things in our lives. But Jesus Christ wanted to save each and everything that you have done that was against him. And so he came down to this world and he died on the cross and three days later he rose from the grave. So all of the, all of the sins that you committed and those things could be saved. Those things could be broken. And he rose from the grave. He broke through the barrier of sin and death and he rose up again. And because of that, we're able to repent from our sins, changing our mind. These things I used to think were okay, but now I know that they're wrong. So I'm going to choose a path of righteousness, of righteousness, not of sin or anything else. And then we can ask God for forgiveness in our hearts so that he can cleanse us and then our hearts would be wiped completely clean. And then we can spend an eternity with God forever after we commit our lives to Jesus Christ. So I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, if you want to rededicate your life, I would ask you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, I come before you right now. I know that I'm a sinner. 
I believe that your son Jesus, that he died on the cross for my sins and that he rose from the grave. And right now, God, I receive your mercy, your grace, and your salvation. I commit my life to you. And Jesus, come and live inside of my heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those people right now that are accepting Jesus Christ for the first time in their lives? Or maybe you just rededicated your life. We want to congratulate you. And hey, if you did make that commitment, I want you to do something bold right now. The people in the community, they want to know if you made that decision because they want to celebrate with you and congratulate you. So be bold and put a yes in the chat if you just accepted Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're watching the VOD or the YouTube right now. Hey, if you're watching right now or if you're watching in the future on another platform if you guys could do me a favor and go into the next level link and fill out that form with as much information as you feel comfortable giving that's going to give us a better way to be able to connect with you and answer some questions that you might have we want to be able to give you resources on what to do now a lot of people they don't know what to do after they just accepted jesus but you might be asking how do i read the bible where do i start how do i pray what's this water baptism thing that you guys talk about we would love to be able to connect with you and answer any of those questions that you might have. So once again, congratulations to those of you that are saying yes to Jesus today. And hey guys, this is the reason why we do what we do here at God Squad Church. We're seeing people's lives being changed. We're praying for people. We're seeing people giving their hearts to Jesus on a week to week basis. And it's all because of your faithfulness and generosity that we're able to continue doing this here at God Squad Church. So if you'd like to invest inside of this community and help us out financially, there's multiple safe and secure ways you can give to God Squad Church. You can do so by going to the panels below, clicking on the give link. You can also go to our website and you can customize it to any way that you see fit for reoccurring giving or what it might be one time. And you can also use text to give by texting any amount to the number 84321. But no matter how you're giving, we thank you so much for your faithfulness and generosity and every penny counts.